Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, January bonus episode. podcast listeners. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to offer up a January bonus world changer episode and I'm so excited to introduce you to the guests that I'm going to be interviewing today. It is a husband and wife team, Natalie Christensen and Nathan McTague are the founders for the Center for Emotional Education in Montana with the mission to empower individuals and families through emotional and strategic support. They offer a comprehensive lineup of courses, one-to-one coaching programs and support, and feelies, which is what we're going to talk about on the show, feelies, which is a full set of emotional education tools. And Natalie and Nathan have been working for over a decade helping families and individuals feel better and become the best possible versions of themselves. And of course, I am totally in alignment with that mission. Um, Nathan is somebody who showed up on my radar as a fellow contributor to Compass, which is a positive discipline magazine for families. So if you are a subscriber to my newsletter, you receive quarterly links to Compass. It's an online magazine, and all the articles in the magazine are written by positive discipline trainers or educators, and it's always such an honor to get to write for that publication with all of my peers and people that I love. So if you are not currently on the email list, shoot me, well, get on the website. Go to joyfulcourage.com, and you'll see a little opt-in bar at the top of the page that says, you know, join the newsletter list, join the tribe. Um, And that's how you can get hooked up with the latest Compass Magazine. Really cool. So yeah, so Nathan and Natalie are on the show and they're going to talk about feelies. And I'm really excited because our conversation really highlights the idea that we can have tools, right? We can have really lovely thought out tools, whether they're physical tools or strategies that we read in an article or in a book. And then there's the actual moment to put the tools into play. And that's the tricky part, right? Getting our mindset in a place where we can navigate the stuff that shows up for us. And believe me, I've been having some stuff show up lately. How can we navigate that? in a way that allows us to access those tools and really use those tools. So I'm really excited for you to meet my guests. And um, yeah, if you're a new listener, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. Check out some of the other shows um, and see how it feels. And to my longtime listeners, I love you deeply. Thank you for continuing to show up and inspire me and to remind me how to be the best version of myself. I really, really appreciate it. Big love to you. And let's get on with the show. Hi there, Nathan and Natalie. Welcome to the Joyful Courage podcast. Hi. Hey there. It's so exciting when I get to interview two people and a couple at that. It's so exciting. Please share with the listeners about your journey of doing what you do. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're kind of your classic story, I would say. Um, two parents that jumped in thinking we knew what we were doing and um, basically not knowing what we didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, we're doing kind of like what was modeled for us or what we kind of thought was right and then fell into all the, the common pitfalls, basically looking at each other one day going, this doesn't feel good at all. Yeah. Um, I think that day I was trying to keep the two and a half year old in time out. Yeah. So oh, like, yeah. That's always really fun. Terrible. Yeah. Like yeah. Physically guarding the door and then the little, I was holding the little one and she was crying and we're all just a mess. Um, 
So we really pulled back and took stock and reanalyzed and kind of got courageous and chose to do it a totally different way. Started doing a lot of research. A lot of research. And um, in our research, we realized that at the foundation for anything that we kind of wanted to do with our kids in terms of talking to them instead of yelling at them or working together instead of just making them do things, it all kind of hinged on all of us, but especially them kind of being aware of their feelings and the feelings of others. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of prompted us to look around for what kind of tools there were to, to grow that in our kids, and there weren't any. So then we were like, oh, <laughs> that's what our mission is. Um, so that's where we started, is by designing tools to help our kids and then um, bringing them out into the world. Yeah. Well, in, yep, in carry the, on. <laughs> in the course of uh, trying to figure out how to talk to parents about some of the tools that we were starting to create and what they do, we were doing even more research about emotional intelligence and empathy and emotional processing and, and then further into the neuroscience of, of all of that. Um, so found ourselves suddenly knowing way more than we started off with and in, a, in such a way that we um, really wanted to start sharing that information with other parents who were struggling the same way we had been. Well, it didn't feel like enough to hand them a tool and say, good luck. It's yeah. like they needed all the information that we had that went with it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so you're both coaches, right? And positive discipline educators. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that was, was that just like in your journey, just part of what are the tools that I need to work with parents? How that, how did that all come out? Yeah, um, I was in uh, life coach training at the time. Well, no, as we were starting to develop feelies, I was going through life coach training and then got certified there. And then we, after we had um, feelies going for a while, and actually we started um, doing by city living. So we were coming uh, from our home in Missoula, Montana to spend some time in Santa Cruz each year, which we now do the first quarter of each year. And we just happened to find that in, in Oakland, there was a training uh, for positive discipline parent educators and really a, a kind of identified with the general approach of positive discipline and, and wanted to sort of further our understanding of how to how to teach parents. Yeah, and be part of a larger community. Like we are coming from Missoula, Montana, which is really great, small town, but it's in Montana. There's like nobody lives there. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. People live there. Um not it's not as forward thinking or like you don't just like bump into entire networks of people thinking along the same lines and wanting to kind of redesign how we parent kids we weren't finding we weren't able to plug into that kind of network and so yeah kind of stumbling into positive discipline going oh my god look at all these people who really care about children in the way that we do let's get with them Right? Isn't it amazing? And to watch the way that it is going so global right now is so exciting. So yes. exciting. So it's funny, um, Nathan, talking about life coaching. So the show, I just recently had a show go live with Marcelie Smith-Boyle talking about the brain research that supports positive discipline theory and strategies. And we were, she is also went through a life and leadership program, coaching program. And, and um, I found positive discipline first and then did the life coaching. But, uh, you know, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, this is totally perfect for positive discipline and all the alignment that goes, you know, between what we learn as life coaches and what we learn as positive discipline facilitators. I just love the way that both complement each other so well. And I really hear you around talking about you've created this tool so that's the feelies and we're going to talk about that in a little bit this tool for parents for supporting their kids but to offer the tool without helping them to identify and do the work of being in the emotional space to even allow the tools to be accessible right like that's what I've found in my journey with life coaching along with the positive discipline is 
you know, helping parents to really identify what's happening inside of their body and really doing the work of their own self-regulation, like the physical work of it, so as to, you know, then you don't hear about, oh, well, yeah, I, I meant to do that, but I was so mad that I yelled, right? right? So I'm hearing you speaking into that as well. That's so cool. So, um, yeah, and so along with that, uh, when I ask parents what their biggest challenge is, as I'm sure you do, they, they'll name an event or a time of day, right? Like, oh, bedtime's such a drag or homework battles, you know, they're epic battles with my kids or the eye rolling or screen time use. And what I love, what I've read in your work is, is like what I just said, how you really seem to um, support parents in going almost underneath the event, and instead focusing on what's happening with the brain and the neuroscience. Can you speak a little bit into this? Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that I just want to sort of underscore about what you're saying is that I think on the one hand, um, parents need, like, in terms of handing them the tools and then, and then no information, <laughs> um, I think they – when we first started trying to figure out how to talk about feelies, we we were just sort of in the in the I guess I want to say predicament of trying to convince people that they needed what we had, what we were offering, that this tool was necessary for their parenting. And it wasn't until we started to, as you further said, look at what what was happening for the parents themselves that um, we then were able to speak to them in a way that wasn't just like, here, you really need this tool, it'll make everything better for you and your family. It was like, you're actually struggling with some, some issues that all parents go through, and, and this is one tool and actually a whole array of ideas around how to support you in moving in that direction. So then there's this the conscious level of educating parents um, kind of about what's going on in development. Mm -hmm. And then there's the support element, I think, where we actually work with parents to help them deal with their own stuff. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the really interesting things about parenting is that it gives us an opportunity to work through emotional stuff that we actually don't have access to unless we're doing parenting because it got programmed into us when we were children and we don't see the other side of that, I want to say neurological paradigm, uh, until we are in the role of the parents. So maybe that might be a little convoluted to um, Oh no. Tease I, apart. <laughs> I, we think we have it together and then we have kids and we realize, oh, wow, right. I've got some things to work on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so how do you support, support parents in not only like becoming more aware that that's a dynamic that's happening – but also then how to, um, you know, what to do about that awareness. Well, like, just like you, we, we too, like the intro is often like, my kid is doing A and we hate it. Tell mm -hmm. us what to do to make them stop. And um, there's, you, you know, you could Google parenting strategies till, till dawn and get like a million ideas, but uh, employing those ideas is wholly dependent on whether or not you have like a full access to your brain. And yeah. so what we help parents understand is that there there are like two bubbles occurring. Basically there's the the event, like your kid is acting out in some way, you know, rolling their eyes or won't brush their teeth or won't go to bed or won't eat something or threw their shoe or whatever it is. And um, that is what's showing up on the surface. And there's a lot going on underneath for that kid that is inspiring that action. But simultaneously, you've got your own emotional bubble that is in reaction to those actions. And you want to respond in a way that, that helps the two of you kind of like dig around and find out what's motivating that action and, and come at it from a really proactive standpoint. But you can't get there because you are so triggered that all you're doing is spouting out, you know, phrases or yelling or whatever it is that kind of comes to you in a subconscious way from your program. And so we really work with people to um, kind of like wade through the trigger and come out on the other side with the with 
full access to all their skills like empathy and compassion and creative thinking and logic so that that's how they're approaching that uh, irritating event mm -hmm. and, and they can be in service to the kid and help them sort through their feelings and come up into their executive brain and then find a solution to whatever it is that they're struggling with so it's really like this two-part simultaneous thing that um, needs to happen for both parties in order to be able to kind of address whatever irritating thing is happening. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. So I've been getting groceries from Hungry Root for the last few months and I am loving it. I use it to keep healthy snacks in the house, and I also order a few meal kits that are easy go-tos during the week. What I love is the variety that shows up in the box. Crunchy snacks, sweets, breakfast smoothies, whatever I've clicked as wanting comes to my door. My dietary wishes are different than my family's. The boys, Ben and Ian, they're always trying to build muscle and gain weight, I am not. Hungry Root gives so many options, it meets all of our needs. In our last box, we got cilantro lime chicken with jasmine rice, and it literally took me seven minutes to put together. Listen, after working all day and doing all the things for the fam, seven minutes to throw together dinner works for me. And the ingredients are good, like high quality good. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Save hours of planning, shopping, and cooking. Let Hungry Root deliver the food you love. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Joyful Courage podcast listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com slash joy and get 40% off your first delivery and those free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash joy. Don't forget to use our link so that they know we sent you. Yeah. And yeah. for us, there's a sense that about 90% of the quote unquote issues um, that we find ourselves dealing with with our kids are really, really emotional issues, not um, the sort of nuts and bolts of the physical actions that are happening. So if we can get underneath the action and address the, the discomfort or the, or the emotion that's causing them to act out, then we can shift behavior without actually even having to address behavior and we can dissolve issues without even having to address uh, issues most of the time. Yeah. And the way that we talk about it with parents is that um, the issue is rarely actually the issue. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
for them to, for our children, or and adults do this too, to let out the emotion that they've been carrying around and is really uncomfortable. Right. And they don't consciously, but subconsciously, pick that issue to explode over so that they can get free of the, the emotion that's so painful inside of them. Um, and if we can address that, then like I said, nine times out of 10, there is no longer an issue. Right. <clears throat> if there is, then they're, all parties actually are much more <laughs> neurally capable of finding a creative solution to it at the time then, after you've uh, dealt with the emotional stuff. You see it all the time, like we have proof of this throughout our lives, our daily, um, like for instance, like the kid is tying on their shoe and then they start to freak out, my shoe's too tight, and they like start thrashing about in the mudroom and it's like everything everybody's getting hit by their limbs and they're like really losing it and then we come over and we go oh your shoe is too tight here oh, here let me loosen it for you and it, it has um i want to say no effect but actually it has a negative effect like they get even more freaked out no don't touch it you know yeah. like <laughs> you have the perfect kid like, voice <laughs> you're like the shoe is tight. i loosened the shoe like it should be all fine now um but really the shoe wasn't the issue right Neither can you walk in and say, honey, the shoe is not the issue. You're carrying around some emotion and let me help you deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I know because I, I've tried that like a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. So instead you have to be like, oh, darn, your shoe is too tight, huh? Uh -huh. And just give them some eye contact, some touch and say, oh, it's so painful. It's so uncomfortable and even so frustrating, isn't it? And they say, yeah. And what you're doing is just letting the shoe be the stand in. And instead, you're giving them a chance to offload some of those emotions. And if you can get with them around the with the emotions around that tight shoe, then they bob back up into their executive brain. And then they say, like, total magic. They say, I know. And then they've got yeah. some great solution for the tight shoe. And you didn't have to address the shoe at all. That's so great. That's You know, you teach positive discipline. I teach positive discipline. So um, you're familiar with the parent helping parent portion of the class, right? So listeners, when you do live parenting classes, um, if you're in a series, you'll often, the class will end with this group brainstorm role play experience that somebody gets to bring to the circle. And I always, I think it's so great so many times where a parent will bring an issue, say, you know, the toddler is pulling on the dog, right? Like the toddler won't stop hitting the dog. And everybody, you know, brainstorms and, and there's always... Somebody will always bring up, you know, special, you know, oh, yeah, help them to, you know, show them the right way to touch. And there's all these great ideas. And typically there's, you know, spend, you know, up your special time with the child, right? Up your one-on-one -on -one time with the child. And so the parents say, okay, and they pick their solutions. And when they pick connection mm -hmm. with the child, they come back and they, and I ask, oh, how did it go? And they say, you know what, this week. They didn't even, I didn't even get to do these other things because there's no issue with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens over and over and over again. So I love what you just said, Natalie, in your example around letting the shoe be the stand-in. Like the issue isn't that your child gets frustrated around tying, around their shoes. Right. Like there's something deeper going on. And what I'm hearing you speak into is connecting with them around that. Exactly. Um, and that's really powerful. Yeah. And a lot easier. <laughs> it's yeah. so much easier. That's really the bottom line. Uh, and and I, I, I try to stress that so often with parents. Like, this is actually the way easier route. Yeah. You don't have to figure out that thing. You don't have to fix it all the time. You can just be with them in their discomfort, make room for that, and then they either solve the issue or the issue itself evaporates. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I think requires a certain amount of trust on the side of the parent, right? But I, you know, and I often will say like, okay, well, you've tried all of these other things. Yeah. So how about you give something new and different a try and just see how it goes? <laughs> well, and then where the work is for the parents, and it, it still is work, is to be, is to deal with our own stuff so that yeah. we're available to connect with them when they're struggling. And I think on the opposite end, and you spoke to this a little bit about connection time, we can help them be more resilient to the issues that show up in their lives by making sure that they have plenty of connection time, particularly 
in the lead up or in the follow up to a stressful time or um, some sort of um, event where we know that there's going to be emotional content involved. <clears throat> so like going to a birthday party or, you know, we're going off to do a workshop or something. We spend time just holding our kids and just being spending some one to one time with them to sort of shore know, them up. Shore them up. Yeah. For yeah. Uh, oncoming thing or yeah. in the aftermath of something like that. How old are your kids? They're old now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they're 9, 13, and 16. Oh, man. Sweet spot, though, too, right? Well, it's always a sweet spot. I keep thinking, like, oh, I've landed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I haven't. Oh, I have. Yeah, Aww. so we don't have tight shoe issues, but we have other, you know, they're just oh, the issues. Yeah shift you know but the strategies are the same totally will you tell us about feelies what is feelies yeah so like um and all the work that we're talking about together right now that there's a key thing and that is um like if we're going to help kids with their feelings or if a way to turn back on the upper brain is to identify what you're feeling and get some empathy and get some connection around it to kind of turn the lights back on upstairs in your brain then uh, we all need to have basically a emotional language in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so often, if you ask a kid, how are you? They say, good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, it's either good or not good. Um, but in order to really connect around um, feelings, in order to really make that transition back into the executive brain happen quickly, you need to, you like, precision really matters. So, like, Frustrated is, you know, the kind of empathy you can give around frustration is really different around than around, say, just not good or worried is really different than angry, you know. So anytime you can get specific around feelings, it's, it's so helpful. So what we need is for kids to be able to identify feelings in others and themselves. And so the basic feelies tool is this matching game that has um, cards with, emotions illustrated on them and so we kind of think of it as like the ABCs for emotions because mm-hmm. they're all kind of represented there and by just playing a simple game of memory they are learning about names of emotions and what emotions look like on other people and so they then have a language that they can use um, when they're in a tight spot and then we can better help them and I'd say further and, and on a more subtle level, even before the, the names of the emotions start to come out or be part of the discussion of playing the game or even before they start to actually recognize, oh, that's that kid in that drawing is feeling angry. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are given a chance just by interacting with the imagery for their brains to run mirror neuron simulations of what that feels like. And so already, even like from the very beginning of their interaction with the materials, they're starting to embody and feel what it's like to experience emotions on a, on a different level than the sort of, I want to call it subterranean level that we often experience our feelings on, where we're not sure what it is, and especially if you, you know, aren't as emotionally intelligent. It can be really difficult to identify what is this feeling? What is this emotion? Yeah, and we have um, a poster that shows all the emotions as well. And so for families that either have pre-verbal kids or um, kids on the spectrum that words don't come easily to them, they can just go and point. Mm -hmm. Like as a parent, you can be like, wow, something's happening for you. You want to go to the poster and show me what's going on for you? And then they can go over there and they can just point. And then there's your starting point, like, oh, wow, okay, so you're feeling like that. Like, you don't even need the words in order to give them the the kind of support that they need. And actually, our kids taught us to use the poster as a negotiation device. So when they were, you know, running into uh, issues or, you know, some emotion would come up um, while they were playing, they would go to the poster together and we would facilitate um, as much as was necessary early on um, and start talking about the feelings that came up to for them during the interaction and, and pointing those out so 
you know when you when you took that toy from me i felt this one and this one and this one and this one and they're pointing to the poster and then the other kid has a chance oh well when you had the thing and i didn't have a turn with it yet i was feeling this this and this one and just that process alone triggers something for them neurologically that allows them to shift into a space of understanding and then actual empathy for each other. Yeah. It's so amazing to watch because time after time after time after time, just having that moment of understanding where the other was coming from and going through, again, just dissolves the original issue. And suddenly they're like, okay, well, how about you have five turns in a row and then I'll have a turn. <laughs> so great that's so great and what's showing up too for me as I listen to you is just the importance of common language right and I imagine that you two also as the models right are like you said Nathan doing some facilitating when necessary probably in the beginning some reminding that hey we have this great tool let's use the tool hey I wonder if this would help you let's use the tool but also I'm guessing you, the two of you probably did some modeling around using the tool as well. And gosh, to be raised in a home where you hear other descriptive words than I'm mad, that's bad, I feel good, to really, I, you know, because we know even in parenting class when you ask the parents, how does that make you feel? It's most of the time the word is, I feel frustrated. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's underneath that? And, and gosh, I could see the feelies poster being a really helpful tool for parent educators, too, in those live classes to help people really identify. Because I think when we realize yeah, like, you're wow, not, you're not the first. yeah, yeah, I think it's really powerful when we can say, wow, you know what? Actually, I'm feeling really resentful right now. Like that's a very different feeling than, um, you know, than just I'm angry. Yeah. Um, and I, I use it, um, like, because my instinct is just to yell, you know, like mm-hmm. dog training, like, no, stop that. <laughs> sure. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, that, that's what's at the ready. And, um, so I have the way I kind of cheat basically is to like, just quickly identify what I'm feeling and say, I'm so frustrated by this. Right. right? <laughs> I'm, I'm taking responsibility. This is my emotion. And I'm, I'm, letting it out into the world my brain can hear it and start to do some chemical shifting and my kids they don't get yelled at they see somebody who's really struggling and um they are able to be like oh she's really struggling versus like don't yell at us or it wasn't my fault or whatever comes out Mm -hmm. you know in defense when you get yelled at well one of the things i think that's important to note about that too is that as our kids have gotten more and more familiar with um you know dealing with emotions and more and more emotionally intelligent then a moment like that inspires them to empathize um rather than if you just came in and said hey stop that you know quit that or whatever then they get defensive and like what did i do Uh, you know i'm just whatever you know um and so there's a moment or possibility of connection even though for instance, in Natalie's example, she's feeling frustrated with this situation or or with something before the situation. Um, it creates a moment of connection there where there was about to or using a different method would be uh, it would be divisive instead. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. 
Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Yeah. And I think it really models the human experience, right? And I think there's something really powerful about adults being authentic in the roller coaster that is life, right? Yeah, that is exactly. our emotional life. I think that, and that's what I try to tell parents too. You know, I'll say, hey, listen, if you had it together all the time and never got upset and stayed in your zen 24-7, you know, your kids would be wondering, what the hell is wrong with me that I can't be like that, you know? versus giving them an example like, hey, this it's messy. Human relationship is messy and we get caught up in our emotions and having a tool like like feelies, man, what a forwarding opportunity for that model and for relationship and for raising the adults, right? We're raising mm-hmm. adults ultimately mm-hmm. and um, you know emotional intelligence cannot be under, understated. Important right. those those tools. And the thing, yeah, I, I think the thing too about um, being authentic about our feelings is that it, it gives our children, as as well as the adults in the room, the chance to see that um, the emotions come and go, but the relationship stays. Yes. Oh, I love that. Well, and I think when we, like, it comes up with adults a lot because we work with individual adults, like, starts maybe talking about kids, but 90% of our sessions are about them, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you can't write that on the flyer or no one will no. come up, but. <laughs> Which is great, and that's fine. Um, but there's this idea that if you have feelings about anything, unless they're positive, that means that you have failed in life or as a person or as a parent and they think oh well, if I'm having these feelings it means that I'm a failure or I need to work harder I need to fix this and like one of our main messages is that no 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 feelings are a regular part of life like you could be super fit super rich super healthy um and still have feelings like they're going to come up. That's just a normal part of the human existence. It's what you do with those feelings that really determines what kind of life you have or what kind of relationship you have. Like you can stuff them and put on your Zen face and wear the yoga pants, but you're not actually um, being a, a healthy emotional person. You just have created the facade. But meanwhile, those emotions are building up and building up and they're festering and then you lose your cool. You know, you like blow up at the person in the parking lot who flipped you off and you're like, oh my God, I don't know why I did that. I've been to meditation class all morning and I just, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and it's, it's because you, 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 as you had feelings coming in, you were like, oh, I don't want those and sort of shoved them aside. Yeah. Um, and they were allowed to build and then blow your top. Whereas if you just recognize that feelings are normal, they have no indication, they're no indication of whether or not I'm a good person or whether or not I'm succeeding in my business or whether or not I'm being a good parent. They just are. They always are going to be there. So to see them, see them coming, welcome them, name them and watch them walk out the door is actually the, the more um, appropriate and healthy approach. Yeah. I like to think of them as neutral. Feelings are neutral. Right. We yeah. give them value because yeah. we like to do that as humans. Yeah. But ultimately, feelings are they they're neutral. Yeah. And we want to teach kids that, too, you know, that sense that um, 
you're not wrong for feeling angry or upset or scared or anything like that. Like, it's just a natural thing. And being able to have it out and in, you know, in between us and work together with them um, on, the, on, on that emotion gives them the opportunity to get rid of it um, or, or to have it process out so that they're not carrying it around or having a, a level of emotion snowballing throughout the day, making all of their interactions more and more brambly as they go along. Yeah, love that. Good good job, you two. Thanks for creating <laughs> such a cool product. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about where they can find it and where they can find you and follow your work and any other offers that you have? Speak yeah. into those as well. So we run something called the Center for Emotional Education. That was the broadest term we could come up with to um, sort of describe what we do for individuals and families. Um, so that's our website, Center for Emotional Education. Mm-hmm. And we've got a couple really easy ways to just get started with us. The, the first is um, you can just sign up for our free report. It's seven steps to creating emotionally safe space or emotionally safe household. Um, and so that's just like, oh my God, I gotta get, I gotta get going right now. What do I do right the second? So there you go. There's like seven things you can do starting today. Um, and that's free on our website. And then coming up, we've got a mini course. Um, we like to run these little short courses that are just five days long as easy as possible. Um, and this one is a doozy. It is, um, forget everything else five do or die con- uh, parenting concepts when does that and start that starts february 13th okay and uh, we try to make it really accessible it's just 21 dollars, and it includes a a discussion like this at the end where we answer everybody's questions or run through scenarios or you know field like my daughter won't go to school and i don't know what to do you know like even if it's kind of unrelated to the content that's fine we just like it's all it's all related anyway. Right, 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 right. Cool, awesome, and that and they can find that on your website. Yep. Are you on social media? We are. We have um, on Instagram. We run a feed called I Heart Feelies, and so there are frequent posts of like, "Is your kid scared of bugs? Are you tired of it? You know, like mm-hmm. here's how to handle it. <laughs> just like try to give bullet points, just precise to the point." Um, that's that's a good place to land. Awesome. Anywhere else? Just Instagram? You guys aren't Facebookers? Come on. That's where all the parents are. We've got Facebook. I think for Facebook, I would just send everyone to, again, the Center for Emotional Education uh, page. Okay, cool. And that will give them um, links to the other little groups that we have. Oh, perfect. So you do run you run some closed groups on Facebook as well? Uh Awesome. Yay. Well, I am so glad that the two of you were able to take the time to come be on my show. I do have one last question, and I'm so excited to ask you. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. And I always ask my guests this at the end of the show, but what does joyful courage mean to you? Feeling people. (laughs) Well, um, just like based on what we've been talking about here today, I can think of joyful courage in um, when we find ourselves triggered or we find ourselves ready to flip out. Mm -hmm. And instead of running away, which is a common response, or trying to change the circumstances, like I'll just make that person do A, B, or C, or or I'll set up a rule or I'll whatever so that I don't feel this feeling, or like come out swinging with antagonism when we feel triggered, instead of any of those responses, instead stepping into some curiosity, like, whoa, okay, I'm totally triggered by this, I wonder what that's about, and then sort of proceeding by stepping into it, you know, like being fully courageous to kind Mm -hmm. of walk into this zone, like, all right, so what's that about, kind of start to peel back the layers and investigate and, um, kind of get to the bottom of it rather than just reacting. Mm, I love that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Nathan, do you have anything to add? Um, I, yeah, I, I kind of have a, a slightly different take. Um, I mean, although I think that's absolutely appropriate. And again, I just love it. Um, I 
for me, the phrase joyful courage brings up the sense in which we often um, relate to courage as a kind of a, it's, it's, it's a heavy kind of boldness, I think, where we're, um, we're afraid of something, but we're going to push through. Mm-hmm. And this joyful element, to me, recognizes that there's a reason. There are reasons why we are courageous. Um, there are reasons why we push through those things that scare us. And if we can meet them with a kind of um, welcomeness that the, the word joyful really kind of uh, embodies, I think, then those things, it shifts the kind of dynamic with the things that we're afraid of. And like Natalie was saying, that can be emotions or that can be events or, um, you know, big, uh, big talk we have to have with our partner or a big step we're trying to take in our business. Um, but meeting that um, call for courage with joy. Love it. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, both of you for coming on and chatting with me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, really, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, so appreciated. And and listeners, all those links, you know, you will see them in the show notes. So it'll be easy to follow these two and check out their um, products and offers. I'm super excited to get my own, my hands on some feelies. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send them to you. So there you go. It's pretty awesome to get to talk to a couple, a couple of parents that are on the journey together and spreading the word and spreading this work across the land. So grateful that Nathan and Natalie made time to come and talk to me. Yay! And again, just wanting to talk a little bit about how grateful I am for each and every one of you. Um, I am always interested in your feedback about the show, about how you are experiencing the show, and anything forwarding that you can share with me that will help me better serve you. Help me better serve you because I really want to create a space here at the Joyful Courage podcast where we can all come together with the common vision of embracing each other and loving each other and supporting each other and being curious, being curious. So if there's ever a time when you're listening to the show and you're, something just doesn't hit you right or something doesn't sound right, that's a great place to get curious, right? That's a great place to think like, wow, what was it about that thing that's making it difficult for me to keep listening? And, you know, the same thing happens with our kids, right? We get triggered. We get emotionally poked by our kids. And um, that's a place to get curious. That's a place to get curious because that's somewhere where we're holding some old story and some limiting belief. And I know this is true because I am in the work of letting go of some old stories. I would love to give a huge shout out to each and every one of you that has been sharing the podcast. I have a goal, like I've told you, of 17,000 downloads in January. And um, as of right now, we are over 12,500 downloads. What? So crazy. So we've got this show goes live Friday. So we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Oh, we've got five days. Um, five days to really knock it out of the park. And I'm so excited. And I'm so excited for pulling names and giving away some prizes. And mostly just because of all of the kindness, the kind words that you are adding to the links to the shows and and how much you're getting out of the conversations that I'm hosting here. It fills my heart and um, just makes me so happy. And if you're interested in being more involved in the conversations of Joyful Courage and you haven't already joined our private Facebook group, I would love to invite you over. It is Live and Love with Joyful Courage. And the feedback of that group is that it's a really safe place to be vulnerable and to be in the in the practice. And the practice gets messy. And it's not helpful for anyone to be judged on your messiness, right? Um, it takes courage to be vulnerable. And the feedback is that the Live in Love with Joyful Courage space feels really safe 
and non-judgmental and encouraging. So if that's what you're looking for, I would invite you to head over and join us, join the conversation, join the celebration. And yeah, that's all I have for today. I am committed to shortening up my intro monologue, even though many of you tell me how much you love it. (laughs) I know that I can ramble sometimes. And so what I'm going to start to do is have a shorter intro and a longer outro. So if you want to listen to me ramble about what's going on for me, you can just stick around for after the interviews and listen to me talk. I would be happy to share you know, the world according to Casey with you at the end of the podcast after the interview. And if you want to stick around for that, great. And if you don't, it's okay. It's okay. So signing off, loving each and every one of you on the journey. So, so honored to hold this space for all of us. And I'll see you next time. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.